I can't change the title of the show now. Oh, well, never mind. Oh, no. How will we know what we're talking about? I, I don't know what I'm talking about at any given moment, so <laughs> all the same for me. Welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Jack. Hello! And Kyrie. Hello! And not joining us as ever is Rob. We miss you. Boo! Being, boo. Being, all, <laughs> being all professional and stuff. Say boo and yay, just edit in whichever one. Oh, okay, I, I will delete as applicable. Which means I'll edit the whole bit out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So anyone got anything they want to share with the audience before we get on to our topic tonight? I saw a film the other day. Did Did you? It were really good. Cool, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Go watch Parasite if you haven't already. I have heard that's quite good. You'll be be upsetting Donald Trump. It got an Oscar. It did. It got several. (laughs) It did, you're right. Speaking of upsetting Donald Trump, did you see what Neon said, the distributor? Yes, I love it so much. Have you seen this one, Jack? I did not. Oh, so after he completely gave out about it, it was like, what the hell was that about? And like, can we just get gone with the wind back and all this, that, and the other? Neon's response was, understandable, he can't read. Oh, that response, yeah, I saw that Yeah, that was the distributor of the film. Yeah. That was beautiful. (laughs) I loved that one. Awesome. (laughs) I didn't see a new film in the last week, but I have watched... um, Evie has now seen her first Ghibli film. Oh! That she chose... Yeah, she chose her own uh, violation. She chose Totoro. A good choice. It's on on Netflix now, and Ah. she was flicking through. She was like, what's this? And I was like, oh, this is, you know, one of Mummy and Daddy's shows. She's like, can we put it on? I was like, and I sat there and watched it with her. And she thoroughly enjoyed it. Excellent. I still have not seen Totoro. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Because A, it's her birthday. And B, it's the next batch of Ghibli coming to Netflix. Ah. And it's got a Nausicaa on that Neat. batch. And it's like awesome. The, the original dub? That I have no idea. Ah, I assume it, so. Totoro does, was dubbed. So if it does, it'll have Tony J in it. Oh, it will. R.I.P. Yeah. How about you, Simon? What did you do? I have seen no films. Oh, um, God. I have, however, been catching up on season two of Titans. Which, oh, shit. Yes, that happened. Yeah. Despite everything we said about it when it first previewed has turned out to be actually really good. Oh, OK. I, I have no idea where that came from, but it's... <laughs> They've just got the characters right, um, and they're not going as, like... I've said this before on this show, but not as grim as the whole fuck Batman thing suggested. Yeah, that did. That was kind of a swerve. The trailer really doesn't do it justice. No, it did itself a disservice, to be honest, because Gar, especially as a cinnamon roll, he is adorable. Which, Uh, you know, BB has always been like that. (laughs) 
I'm not even a dog person, but Crypto is the goodest boy. Oh shit, yes, at the end of the thing, yes. Oh god, I, I, it, all the bits from like the stinger is like jumping back into my head. <laughs> so you've not seen season two at all, I take it? Not at all. I saw season one and I, then I saw it was on Netflix. Oh, we should probably give that a go at some point. And then it was now and then I don't know what happened. Well, I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, just watched a scene in which um, Gar is alone in Titan's Tower and the, the security violation alert goes off. You know, the doorbell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he looks at the screen and it's just empty and he's like, who is it? Who's there? And just Crypto just jumps up into the camera feed just repeatedly <laughs> until he lets him in. <laughs> They've just got the characterization of all of the characters spot on. Like it's a Dick Grayson who is actually Dick Grayson and not some amalgam of Robins. Um, Starfire continues to be amazing. Jason Todd is Jason Todd. He is a little <laughs> shit. Like this is definitely a Jason Todd you can imagine stealing the hubcaps off the Batmobile. Yeah. There's a wonderful scene in season two of um, basically why Bruce threw him out and he was left unattended in Wayne Manor and was riding a motorbike around indoors. Oh, God. And crashed it down the stairs. And I'm like, yeah, that's Jason Todd. You've, you've got him right. So uh, at some point, expect a show on Titans because it's good. Okay, cool. It deserves it. I need to get around to watching it. It's a lot of fun. I need to finish. Uh, I need to. Yeah, I need to finish my uh, Netflix series of current before I start a new thing because I'm like working my way through the current series of BoJack and uh, the current I, and final series. Of it Bojack. is yes, yeah. Um, and I started. I started The Witcher, and much like with Daredevil, I'm finding I can't watch more than an episode at a time. Like it's not a show I find myself going. Oh right, I've watched an episode. God, I gotta, I gotta get the new, the next one. Um, I kind of go right, cool. That's that's that done with for now. I'll come back later. Uh, do you know what? Every season of BoJack mm. has started that way for me, where I've watched an episode and then not been able to take another one. Quite yes. frankly, yeah. But they always hit a point, and it's usually about four or five episodes from the end, where I can't not watch another episode immediately uh, yeah. and end up binging the whole back half of the season. Yeah. There, there is, however, a show on Netflix that legitimately I have done myself a great disservice because it is so good and so watchable that when a new series gets released, Rowan and I binge the entire thing in a single sitting, mm -hmm. and then we have to wait ages and ages and ages and ages and ages for the next one. And that's the show we're going to talk about today. <laughs> and luckily, it's very bingeable. Oh, yeah. Because the episodes are not long. And there's not a lot of them, comparatively to some shows. So if you wanted, it would be quite easy to catch up on She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Yay! <laughs> Which, I mean, it feels a little strange, because it is a kid's show. But we yeah. are going to talk about it, because it's a really good kid's show. It so is. Because it is a Noel Stevenson show. And, yeah, it really is a Noel Stevenson show. <laughs> uh, you might know Noel Stevenson from Nimona, the graphic novel. Yep, which I think is, I saw it in Norway, in a comic book shop in Norway, and I'm fairly certain I bought it and that it's got into one of my 30,000 to read piles. 
And then I saw it in Forbidden Planet the other day, and I'm like, do I already own this? I don't remember, so I didn't buy it. And now I'm like, <laughs> if I didn't pick it up in Norway, that means I have zero copies of it, and I've had the capacity to buy it twice. Uh, you might also know her from Lumberjanes, which is her comic series. Ah. Which is extremely good. Uh, very much recommend it. Or, I guess it's entirely possible, you might know her from she and the Princesses of Power. This is uh, my first introduction to her. Because that is a thing she has done. Mm. And it good. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's She-Ra. If you're not familiar with She-Ra, then there was an original show a long old time ago. Written by JMS back in the day, wasn't it? Uh, parts of it, yeah. He yeah. was one of the, the key writers. He was one of the creators of it. Yeah. Um, and it was a spin-off of He-Man. Because she was originally, she was originally his cousin. Is that um, correct? Uh, sister. No, was it? Was, it? was she? Yeah, yeah. Princess of oh, no, was he? Yeah, sister. is a sister. Sorry, yeah. Oh, wow. One lost sister. Yes. Ah, yes. Because everything was linked together. Because she's off on Etheria, uh, and she is not fighting. You know. All of the the Grey Skull villains. She is off fighting Hordak and his evil horde, who is uh, Skeletor's former mentor, apparently. In the original, yes. It, it, back it back in the day. Yep. There, there's been some changes. Oh yeah, he's got himself a fancy new haircut for one thing. For one thing, yes. Uh, he's, he's got a little bit sort of nine inch nails <laughs> in his look. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it was originally, it was it was the girl He-Man show. It was toy cartoon, you know, weekly toy cartoon, plot light. Oh, yeah. Because that's how things were. Everything has to be exactly the same at the end of the episode as they are at the beginning of the episode. And uh, quite frankly, Hordak suffers from the same problem of every villain of that era, which is... My plan was foiled by this incredibly unlikely set of circumstances that couldn't possibly happen again, but rather than try a very good plan twice, <laughs> I'm going to come up with another more elaborate scheme. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it got rebooted, and it was announced that it, He-Man didn't. It is now, but yeah. She-Ra was first this time round. Ah, that's the thing about the new He-Man, though. It's not a reboot. It's a continuation. Well, so might She-Ra be. True. Oh, God, you're right. It's so <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> in in that, that way, true, yeah. it is the way of things today to do a, a reboot that is not a reboot. Like, look at one of my favourite shows of recent years, Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Is it a reboot? You literally can't tell. Is it a prequel? Is it a, a very sequel? <laughs> it literally could be anywhere on the timeline, because as they say in the show, all of this has happened before and all of this will happen again. God damn it. And indeed, it's getting rebooted again now. What, BSG? Yeah, by the creator of Mr. Robot. Oh, wow, okay. Who has announced that his reboot isn't a reboot. <laughs> it's another story set in the same universe as Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica so what it will okay. be we don't know oh okay uh, but if it's coming from him I want to watch it yeah <laughs> it's that universe <laughs> with his writing oh shit uh, that's going to be interesting but mm. yes so it's a, it's a reboot maybe um, and it's it's definitely following the mould of a lot of the cartoons we've talked about here in that it starts off quite 
episode of the week cartoony. And then because the creators of these shows now are incredibly talented and don't just have the mandate of selling toys, you are suddenly beset by the inevitable plot. <laughs> you cannot get away from the plot. And shit suddenly gets serious. So serious. Uh, Shira does that as well. <laughs> yep. Like, it, it's... Oh, God, like, they go in so many directions with, like, I remember thinking from watching the... See, I'm not... Right, I'll, I'll open this up with just saying, I'm not very familiar with the original uh, She-Ra series. I'm I only, don't think any of us are. Yeah, I'm only peripherally really aware of, of original He-Man, so, like, uh, go, I was going into this essentially completely fresh, fresh eyes into this. Um, and I was like, oh, this is not how I expected things to start. Are, are we the bad guys? <laughs> as, definitely as a definitely elements point. of that at the start. Yeah. And I really, I really like a show that just takes you fro- takes a villain and goes, right, okay, now let's learn a thing or two. Like, that's a great starting point to do. Because if you're going to do the world building, having it from, you know, the, the, the cute and innocent and happy, colourful land is fine. But if you're doing it from the side of, of the, the opposing force... The Horde... Yeah, you just kind of get this, you get this wonder as you're going into things. So, the world of Etheria. It's, it's going through some tough times at the moment. Uh, here we are in season one, episode one. Um, the evil horde has taken over quite a lot of the world. And I don't think there's even an are we the bad guys, considering we meet Adora, the star of the show, who is a cadet in the military of... The Horde, uh, who are based in the Fright Zone, and led <laughs> by Lord Hordak. Which is why they're called the Horde. They're not, not like a horde of monsters. Except that they, they are. are. <laughs> yes, but they're called that because they follow Hordak. And why is it called the Fright Zone? Because Hordak is an edgy bitch. <laughs> and why is it like um, a Coruscant-style endless landscape of industrial horror? Because, you know what, like, he doesn't have much in the way of aesthetics, he has much in the way of efficiency and scientific and technological and industrial progress. Oh no, I'd argue he absolutely has an aesthetic and that's oh. it. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair <laughs> point. But he, he's, really, he's really into brutalism and really not into safety railings. That is very true. Like let, let's not let's not look too deeply into the into the sort of aesthetic and moral choices of a man that hired fucking Shadow Weaver. So this evil horde, sorry, horde, yeah, um, are trying to basically conquer the planet. They're not even take, subtle about it. Yeah, Saturday morning cartoon villains. They're trying to take over the world. Yep, but they're oh something standing in the way of them. It's 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 an alliance of princesses. The except- princesses of power. Except not not so much these days. No, because the the leader of the Princesses of Power uh, let it all sort of fall apart. We learn this as we are introduced to her daughter, Princess Glimmer. Who I started out thinking I was going to hate, but I fucking love Glimmer. <laughs> and then later seasons, I fucking hate Glimmer. And then by the end of those seasons, I fucking love Glimmer. She takes me on a goddamn roller coaster ride. Well, every character in this show goes on a journey. Oh god, yes, absolutely. Like more than you would expect. Yeah, there is there is such villain pathos in this. It is Oh my god, like Catra's journey throughout 
each season. I'm not saying I've got a type, but obviously Catra is my favourite character. I mean, absolutely. So, like, you'll, you'll, you'll get this, Simon, as, as a Babylon 5 fan. Catra and Londo Malari <laughs> have so much in common. Um, oh. I kind of completely disagree. Really? I strongly disagree. Oh, okay, no, no, go, go for it, yeah. Um, because I was going to get to this later, but okay, okay so no. we're still establishing Adora, as I said, cadet, uh, learning to be a force commander in the Horde, and her best friend is Catra, another cadet, another young woman who happens to be a cat girl, um, also learning to be a force commander in the Horde. Mm. And they're two of the top cadets, and, you know, great friends and friendly rivals. Um, Adora obviously, through events, leaves the Horde and joins the princesses. She is She-Ra, big spoiler there. Uh, so they become actual rivals. Now, this is the big difference for me, is that Londo's journey takes him to a place where the decisions he makes back him into a corner mm. and leads him to deeply regret his choices. And we get, if not through his actions, through his character, a redemption of who he could have been. You know, he he sees that there is an alternative. He regrets his choices. Hmm. My thing, what I love about Catra as a character is they have teased repeatedly a redemption arc for her. And they have swerved it every time. Every single time. They have given her multiple opportunities to come over to the light for Adora to say, I see the good in you, and Catra to prove her right and become one of the good guys. And every single time she has doubled down yeah. and gone, no, I'm worse than you thought. And this is what I mean, this, I'm, I'm talking like season two, season early season three Londo, like, you know, demanding that Jakar be taken off the station Londo. Yes. His, his, that kind of period we're in at the moment. Yeah. She is like, all right, I, I, I'm in this situation that I've, I've kind of, I've put myself in it, but I'm not going to admit I've put myself in it. Everyone else has put me here. So now I'm going to fight back. But with Londo, I was rooting for him to realize it and turn around, turn it around. I yeah. don't want Catra to ever turn it around. Oh, damn. Okay. I wanted to keep doubling down. <laughs> How dark <laughs> can she get this? Yes. Because it's, <laughs> it's so good to watch that character break internally yeah. into something truly vicious um, in a kid's show. I find it remarkable how they write Catra and how they give her compelling, believable reasons to just keep getting worse. You absolutely cannot fault her. Like every every time she she does, you know, swerve the the the, the, the face turn. It's you could totally understand like every single reason, every single like you can't say necessarily. Oh, I would have done the same thing. You you, you know you can you can say oh you know she made the quote unquote wrong decision. But you could absolutely understand why every single time. And like, oh God, like it's it's just this whole thing of, it, it's starting off just, oh, living in Adora's shadow. And, and then it's it's like proving that she has the capacity to run things herself. And right, right, I need to, I've, I've convinced everyone else. Now I need to convince myself of this. Mm. And taking on you know, flunkies and, and henchmen and then betraying those flunkies and henchmen along the way. 
Like we're jumping way too far forward. Yeah, but for me, absolutely. It was, <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking about this. Sorry. It was when Scorpio was trying to turn her back. And oh, my heart broke for that for her. She's so wonderful as a character. She's one of my favorite characters. I mean, I look at her and just see Sophie. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Um, that will be nothing to the listeners, but yeah, no. I completely agree. Um, but it's the fact that Scorpia is, she's an optimist in the Horde. Yeah. Uh, an almost unquenchable optimist. And she sees Catra as her best friend. Until she Catra. doesn't. And Catra like, less so. Yeah, Catra less so. Yeah. And that's the thing. Scorpia isn't even trying to turn Catra to good. Scorpio's not even trying to turn her to the princesses. She's just saying, maybe don't be a full-on villain. <laughs> and Catra's like, no, <laughs> fuck you. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> don't like, be a oh, fool, dick. shit. <laughs> I, I will say now, a, spo- a little spoiler thingy, potentially, I mean, throughout this whole episode, obviously, but... We've kind of already done that, so, yeah. yeah. Retroactive yeah. spoiler warning. Yeah, Scorpia completely destroyed me with one tiny line. And it's just, you're a bad friend. Ah, oh. and I was fucking destroyed by that. It's the delivery. It's just the simplicity of it. The just acting after- in this show is yeah. phenomenal. See, oh man, it's it's hilarious that we're, we've got such different takes, but we love the same things. Yeah, that didn't destroy me. I really, I loved it. I was like, yes. Yes, she I mean, is. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, I agreed, but it's just, it's the sadness with which she says it, and it's like, it's the strength of being able to finally say that, and it's just like, is that, that's is that, the most, like, emotionally charged line I think I've heard in a thing for so long. It's like you're saying, you know, she, she is the eternal op- optimist in this bleak environment, and this entire time she's trying to keep that optimism, that positivity, that... Catcher will do, you know, quote unquote, the right thing. And she doesn't. Which she, it's what Scorpio and Adora have in common. Yeah. Mm. They both believe Catra can do the right thing. Must must be a princess trait. (laughs) It must be a princess trait, yes. Because Scorpio (laughs) is a princess, spoilers. (laughs) I thought everyone knew that. It's in in the whole, like, orientation. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Force Captain orientation, that was it. But we should probably mention Bo. At oh, some yeah. point, because there is, oh. like, the main trio, and we've mentioned two of them. So, yes. yeah, out on a mission, Adora ends up getting separated from the Horde um, and ends up with the princesses and meets Glimmer, who is sort of the princess at the centre of what is princess territory now. Mm. Like, I'm not sure about the princess hierarchy, but Glimmer's mum seems to be at the top of it. Yeah. Queen Angela is sort of, I think her and and her her uh, late husband. Yes, late uh, husband. Were, yep, um, were basically <laughs> running things as a counts a war council. But there was de- there was definitely this indication that yeah they they the bright moon was kind of the the epicenter of the alliance. Yeah. So there were other kingdoms or queendoms, I presume, because there are other princesses. Yes. Uh, but Bright Moon was definitely, as you say, it was the linchpin, the centre. It was where the war room was. And Glimmer is her daughter. And sort of seems to yearn for that resistance time again. 
She wishes to prove herself, isn't it? She does, yes. Very she wants to so. prove herself to her mum. Which is a fairly common theme. Yeah. Everyone wants to prove themselves to someone, even Hordak. It's, oh, it's, it's a little bit, with Glimmer, it's, it's a little bit of like, it's almost war romanticism as well. It's yeah. this kind of, you know, honour and glory kind of thing. Um, which is so rare, like, I, I, right, so it's, what's great about the, the sort of the, the gender makeup of this show is that your average Saturday morning cartoon show back, back when we were kids usually had a token girl character and was predominantly male characters. Chitara, April O'Neil. Smurfette, like, Smurfette. you go through any, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gadget, you know, all yep. of these things. Uh, and... What's great about the sort of the gender makeup of this is that you're seeing roles that you would generally associate as just that that's the hat of this particular male character, but applied elsewhere. And it's just it it's so refreshing to see. It's it's really interesting. You get these very these much more three-dimensional characters because they you you're seeing them develop throughout the show rather than everything being reset at the end of every episode. This is what? Three male characters on the good guy side? Uh, there's Bo. There's Bo. There's Seahawk. Seahawk. And then there's, um, ah, oh, the name escapes me. Her horse. Did I say the horse? Yeah. Swiftwing. That's it. Yeah. Swift, swift wind, like on the swift wind of justice. Swift wind, that's <laughs> it. Yeah. I, I keep going swift wing because he's a Pegasus, but it's swift wind. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, he's a, oh shit, I know this word. It's an alicorn. I think it's, it's like an alicorn. Yeah. So he's a, he's a Pegasus with a horn. Thank you, My Little Pony. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there are the three male characters, and I, none of them are exactly pinnacles of the masculine um, stereotype either. No. Even, even Bo, with his necessity to have an ab window in every single thing he wears, <laughs> which, I've just got to say, is a fucking glorious idea of fashion right there. Just, just... The ab window on everything. Even even his tux <laughs> at a party, just the cummerbund comes straight off and it's just, boom, ab window. Bo is amazing. He's the, he is the, the engineer master of, of uh, Bright Moon. The gadgeteer. Yeah. And they are the, the, the principal trio of adventurers. Bo and Glimmer are best friends for a long time and Adora becomes friends with them. They are... They are your triumvirate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if they're hero heart head exactly, but if they are, then Glimmer is the heart and Bo is the head. But Bo is also the heart. Yeah, because he's literally got a big heart on his chest. Which makes Glimmer the head? And that seems wrong. They they definitely chop and change as times, as, as you know, situations go about. Usually, usually Glimmer will be the heart and Bo is the head. But yes. I almost think Glimmer is the hero and Adora is the head. Yeah, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes that even even that changes up because you know Glimmer will definitely towards the later parts of the series, right, right at the beginning of the series and right at the end of the later series, Glimmer is doing things, not really thinking them out, but doing them because she feels it's the right way to do it. She's going with her gut. Yeah, she's definitely being the heart for better or worse. Well, no, that's not heart. That's the hero not listening to the heart oh, and the head. Oh, yeah. It's, you the, know, it's the I'm the main character now thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the captain now. 
So it's interesting because a lot of the the structure of the show suggests Glimmer is the hero. She's the daughter of the queen. She's the one with the history in the princess resistance. And Adora just stumbles in. Yeah, I found this weird sword in the woods and now I turn into a nine foot tall killamajig. Who is not drawn girly enough. Oh, male Ooh, tears. Oh, fucking whatever. <laughs> because she just looks normal. Yeah. That's the thing, just big. I, I, I loved JMS weighing in on that. Yep, me too. He, he, just, he described them as, they, they have a certain instinct towards She-Ra because they saw it when they were very young and imprinted on her like ducklings. <laughs> and just infantilizing, like, pissant male fans by, by comparing them to ducklings is wonderful. It is. It's, it's glorious because it's right without actually being outright offensive, yeah. but it is very dismissive. And I love that. <laughs> JMS is, is spot on there. Yeah. So yeah, like, the, the three of them have to fight back against the Horde, but they're three people, and, you know, one very, very, very overstretched kingdom against the might of the mighty evil Horde. I mean, one of those three people is She-Ra, human plot device, so yes. that's helpful. With the sword of plot devices, too. Yeah. Um, the human plot device, the, the living teleporter... Oh, and, yes, yes. Uh, and Bo. <laughs> and Bo was there too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so sorry for that boy sometimes. Everyone's a princess around here except me. <laughs> um, so they have to go off and reform the Princess Alliance, find the princesses that have basically decided to, to while away the time in their own kingdoms, their own palaces. And wait for death. Yeah, well, I mean, and hope this whole thing blows over in the sense of maybe if we lie very, very still, the Horde won't notice us and they won't bother with us. So yeah, wait for death. Yeah, well, yeah. Or in the case of their first, their first uh, ally, uh, Perfumer, not necessarily a fighter outright, so doesn't they don't see the need to to join in with a war effort. Um. But it was very sort of quickly turned around. There are so many different ways of doing these things. I fucking love mm. Perfuma. And none of them are outright warriors. There, there are those of the princesses who lend themselves more easily to it. But none of them are outright warriors. No, and some, some of them, although some of them do enjoy fighting. Yes, as I said, some do lend themselves more easily to it. Yep. <laughs> So you get, yeah, you get uh, Perfuma, the, the, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they, they, they have specific things, but it's like the flower princess, the, the, the princess of growth and, and plants. Yep. Uh, the, the more, think, think like a hippie lawful good, uh, a hippie neutral good poison ivy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty accurate. Uh, you get uh, Mermista, Rowan's favourite. Mamista's pretty great. Mamista is amazing. Most of her dialogue is just, uh, whatever. <laughs> just <laughs> the moment that they bring in Seahawk, and it's just, why did you bring him here? He is so annoying. She is the teen who is done with your shit. Yeah, <laughs> and also controls water, and is a mermaid sometimes, and also has the classic Aquaman power of talking to fish. Yes. And has a, a one of the other male characters in the thing as, as, a, as a consistent hanger-on in the form of Seahawk. Who is amazing. The greatest captain of the seven seas or something. 
I fucking love Seahawk. Whose, you know, main ability is to set fire to his own ship. <laughs> it's a proven tactic. It always works. I mean, the ship always burns, yes. <laughs> you, <laughs> whatever happened to us in the Tunnel of Love, you set fire to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he set fire to the boat in the Tunnel of Love? It's the only thing he knows how to do <laughs> consistently. That and arm wrestle and have a very fine mustache. Yep, fine facial hair, sea shanties, tall stories, and a love for all things of the sea and drama. That is Seahawk. I want to play an RPG character like Seahawk someday. <laughs> he does lend himself to an RPG character, doesn't he? In the, in the sense of he's got all these great stories. Like when he when he's talking, he's he when he's role playing, he's doing amazingly. The moment he has to do a practical action. Rolls he rolls on that one every yep. time, <laughs> <laughs> and we've we've all been there with our RPG characters talking a big game oh, and yes. then getting shown up by everyone else. Uh huh. Yep, that's a fairly common experience. So yeah, um, <laughs> after the Mister, we get Froster. I thought it was Entrapta before before Froster. It is Entrapta. Was Entrapta next? Yes, oh, because Entrapta turns up because she turns up at the the princess prom. So yes, we get we get my favorite then. My favorite princess. My second favorite. Well, no, my favorite princess. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Catcher isn't a princess. That's that's very very true. <laughs> but yeah, she is. Oh my god, I I oh, fucking adore Entrapta. I I I can't I can't gush enough about how much I love the, the gadgeteer princess. I love her because she's the. You were saying um, perfumer is like the lawful good poison ivy. Yeah. I like Entrapta because she's probably the only princess I would consider on the neutral scale. She she is just true neutral. No chaotic neutral, surely. Oh, what? Ah, see, there is there is very much method to the madness. She she is doing things to her own to the beat of her own drum. But it's not it's not like a code of laws or anything like that, but she's also not trying to Ah, oh, it's confusing. She's she's so hard to pin down. She is, she is neutral the leanings towards chaotic. Yeah. She's She is science neutral. Exactly. She's progress neutral. It doesn't matter as long as it's science. She is progressive neutral. Um yeah, she's she's such an amazing character. I love having an a, a, a pragmatist in this kind of in this kind of role, because you expect everyone to either be slavering villain or noble bright hero. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? In in this in, on this world, it is like magic is a big thing. Yeah, you know. And then not that science isn't there, but then you have this kingdom that is entirely mechanic. Yeah, and it's she, like, she likes to build robots. Yeah. And any ex- any chance for getting getting the chance to play around with ancient tech, she gets a bit obsessed. Yeah, first ones tech. Mm. I, I mean, it's it's perfectly summed up in the moment where they get like trapped under a thing. Well, they were trying to like figuring out how to how to lose some weight. It's like, well, I mean, you know, if we lost a couple of legs, it's just her instantly bringing out a sword and being like, "Well, I'll do one of mine if you do one of yours." <laughs> it's just that it's her perfect way of describing it. Of just this kind of like, well, whatever gets us into this situation of you know moving forward it doesn't really matter to me losing limbs and whatnot. Like it's this wonderful neutral uh, pragmatist approach to things that you don't see in kids' cartoons. Everyone always has this kind of, and I'm not saying she doesn't have a kind of a moral code to her or anything like that, but like, 
it's so play second fiddle to her her desire for progress and to see what happens if if I do X, Y, or Z. And oh, she's such a refreshing character. And the fact that, yeah, she's a purple-haired scientist probably plays a little bit into my biases as well. It helps. <laughs> I mean, that hair. Yes, absolutely. Man, can I tell you now, trying to currently make that wig is difficult as shit. Well, it's more the fact her hair is prehensile. Yes, but I'm figuring that one out. <laughs> oh, God. Do we know if, if that's biological or scientific? <laughs> That's a very good question, actually. I mean, it's never been addressed. No. Yeah, you know, is that something? Is that something that she was born with, or something that she did to herself because she needed more limbs? You always go with more. I would believe either. Yeah, but yeah, have you seen my plan for the the, the cosplay for Entraptor? I haven't. Not the plan, I, no. I knew that you were planning to do one. I haven't seen anything beyond that. Cutting holes into the sh- you know how like her her costume has the kind of holes in the shoulders. Yeah. Having my arms through that in purple gloves with wefts of the same wig hair as the wig in it. Oh! And then having fake arms set up in front of me holding a bowl of tiny food. That's a brilliant idea. So my arms will be in the hair. That's pretty good. That's awesome. I'm I'm miming for the microphone. I don't know why the fuck (laughs) I'm doing that. But yeah, hopefully that will pay off and not be terrible. But yes, then Frosta, the, the, the youngest of the princesses. Yes. Who starts out very different to how she becomes later on. She has a very <laughs> sharp Frost, character turn. Froster, take take Elsa and mix her with Toph. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Toph Bei Fong with Elsa's power set. Yes. Oh god. That's <laughs> not like, far off. <laughs> she she starts off like the kind of how, how, how you expect most dwarves in in fantasy settings to be? She's she's doer. She's she's grim faced. Antagonistic. Yeah, she's very traditional and very. Oh, you're not doing this right. You do this by the rules. Damn it. She is the youngest of the princesses as well. Yeah, so she's sort of doing this whole thing of I need to be taken seriously. Yeah, she starts off like trying to perform a young child's view of being a grown-up ru- a ruler. Yeah, and by the time she rocks up at the end of the series and at the beginning of season two, she's very much grown-up actually, uh, and is a much more sort of balanced and happy individual. <laughs> For better or worse in that regard, if you're Glimmer. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- there are other side princesses, I suppose. Yes, and uh, I want to touch on Nettossa and Spinarella. Yes, absolutely, please. The the consist the consistent background lesbian couple. <laughs> we don't know what they do. Yeah, it's it constantly referred to with that sort of weird mystery sort of they're here and we're slightly <laughs> scared of them, but they're useful. <laughs> it's just when they have the um, wall council and no one's there because well, there's Nettossa and and, and Cast- oh not Castispella, that's um, uh, that's Sandra. Oh. Yes. Yep. Uh, um, but no, Spinarella. Spinarella, sorry. Because uh, um, Spinarella also happens to be Noel Stevenson's self-insert. Oh, amazing. She voices her in that one episode in which she gets a line. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. But no, it's just I just love that they just there, they wave, and they're just both going, we don't know what they do, they're just here. It's like, I tossed nets. Netassa. Like, it's... <laughs> oh. they are They are adorable. And they are the princesses of the Princess Alliance. Because there is one princess left over. Two. Are there two? There's Scorpia. Yep. And there's Huntara. 
Oh yeah, I forgot we're, Huntara we're was forgetting Gina. A... We're forgetting Gina, goddamn Davis. I wasn't, I was just forgetting Huntara was a princess. Ah, oh, fair point, yeah. <laughs> I she was is, gonna get on to Gina Davis. She is uh, technically the princess of the Badlands. Yes. Or the Wasteland, or whatever it is. But on the Horde side, those are the good guys. Yes. And on the Horde side, they have a princess as well. They have Scorpia, who whose family gave her kingdom over to the Horde. Not her. She has inherited this situation. Yeah. Uh, and is making the best of it, because as mentioned, she is the eternal optimist. And just to let you know, she's a hugger. She is a hugger, which is a little scary because she's also part scorpion. Uh, so, but she also, she thick, good hugs. Yeah. Uh, I, I would be okay with the balance there. <laughs> she is like seven foot tall. And I think it's through Scorpia we're introduced to the concept of the power crystals because the Horde have corrupted hers. The Black Garnet, is that the her The one? Black Garnet, oh. yes. Each of the kingdoms have these power crystals, which are what give Perfuma her um, control over plants, Mamista her control over water. Although, interestingly... Entraptor does not have a power crystal. No. She very specifically mentions it and says, well, maybe that's why I don't have magical powers. And then just, well, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm going to move on to something else. Yep. And, wow. Well, Huntara they, doesn't either. Yeah, so it's it's a usual princess thing, but not a uniform princess thing. Well, it, it sort of suggests tiers of princess, like Natasa, oh. Spinarella, Entraptor, Huntara. They are princesses, but they are not princesses of power right if you see what i mean yeah because Although as we, you say netosa throws nets but she she has they, they her and uh, spinarella both have magical powers but i don't know if they just draw their power from bright moon's stone it's very confusing or from in, a, in general yeah so it's really strange but it's never fully explained but it's sort of one of those things of ah, it doesn't really play too much into the dynamics of the world Currently, at least. Yeah. Well, this, the this... crystals do. Yeah. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> in a as, big bad way. As of, as of the where we're currently up to with the plot here in the very beginning of 2020, yeah, it does. Um, so yes, the the the, the horde has has princess uh, has uh, princess Scorpia, Catra, um, as mentioned. Yep. Who is just the most tragic and later the most evil. So, oh my god, such, it's like such amazing progress. I'd say progression, but it's, it's, it, oh, you're so used to seeing progression as a character learning and becoming a better person. It's kind of what I love about Catra is they start her with the tragic arc. Yes. And you know what the tragic arc is. You know where it goes. You know where that road ends. So when it gets to the point where she's like, actually, fuck you, Hordak, I can do this better, and basically overthrows him. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's not where I expected the tragic story arc to go. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's it, for me, it's summed up with. Do you remember in uh, in Vampire, the the concept of uh, Golconda? Mm. And it basically says it makes you perfect. Now, bearing in mind, like, it says your humanity ten and all that kind of stuff, and it's like, keep in mind, if you've reached Golconda, you have reached perfection. This doesn't mean you're a living saint. It doesn't mean you're perfect. You know, you're a, a nice person because if you think about it, sharks are perfect at what they do. Yep. You are the perfect predator. It's like Catra has 
grown as a person. She has bettered herself. But what she's building towards isn't the heroic better the better yourself. She is building herself into a better villain. And that's it's not a storyline you get to see. So like it's it's amazing. Um to see the kind of you you're you're watching the hero build herself up with her friends, but equally you're watching Katra descend into this kind of absolute howling lunacy of villainy with a smile on her face and going, right, I'm going to do this my way. That is, I think that's what makes her my favourite is, you're right, every time she snaps, every time she reaches that breaking point and descends a little further, she is always smiling. And she comes out of it stronger every time. I mean, she, depending on She your- gets sadder in the middle like she has peaks and troughs yeah there are there are it, it wouldn't work if there weren't those moments when you believe that she you there are moments where you believe she's going to turn this is this is her moment she's gonna she's gonna do the one nice thing she's gonna have the pet the dog moment yeah it's, 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 each each time she makes that conscious choice to descend further yeah she does have regret. She does say, face consequence. She does face depression. And that's what, as the audience, you see as her tragic route to redemption. But every time that redemptive moment is offered to her, she just gives it the middle finger. Yep. Yeah, she has that moment of, was this the right idea to do? And just goes, uh, all in. Yep. She, every, she keeps getting offered the chance to pet the puppy. And she kicks that puppy in the face every single time. But it wouldn't be as compelling if, A, she had no, literally no choice in the matter, and B, if she just went for it every single time. It's the fact that she, A, has choice, and B, does seem to think about it each time. She is, if not conflicted, she at least pauses for thought each time. And then go, and but then she plays it off as, no, I was just pausing to see if I could make this more evil than what the options offered to me were. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. I mean, technically speaking as well, the Horde do get another princess through, through the process of the show. Because they get entrapped her. They do. Hmm. Because she is science neutral. Yep. And Hordak love science. And in oh their oh their whole fucking relationship like uh, in trap deck is is oh god <laughs> it's Zoe kind of ships them oh absolutely massively absolutely massively I kind of ship them I I was like oh I can I kind of see where they're going with this and then they had in speech about imperfection it's it's the moment of her saying imperfection is beautiful at least to me and then all these sparks are showering behind her head and I'm like yep. oh damn. Oh, you two, you two get together right now. Um, yeah, because Hordak. I mean, we've seen like the princesses of power. They control plants, the water, the ice, the wind. They are very elemental, very um, well in tune with their planet. Yeah, quite literally, as we will come to learn. And Hordak is paving over the planet with robots and laser guns and generators and pollution uh, in classic old villain style. Yeah. And and he has his power armor. And Entraptor is like, this is all totally my jam. (laughs) 
so yeah, she is of the belief that she was abandoned by the princesses, left behind. Uh, they thought she was dead. Yep. Which is why they didn't rescue her. Um, and that is turned by the Horde into, well, you're here. We do the thing you like to do. Just do the thing. We, Make we, robots. We got this first, yeah, we got this first one's tech that we're trying to figure out. Do, do, you, want, do you want to play around with some first one's tech? I just love, I just love that bit when, she's, when she is captured. She's, she's, you know, she's strung up in, in the prison and she just keeps getting out of it. And then going back into yeah. her restraints. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, I meant to be here, aren't I? <laughs> it's ah, oh, it's when it's when they sort of when when Katra tells her that like yeah they've abandoned you, and she just and and the instructor just really slowly just just puts the puts the little welding mask down. And you don't see what's going on behind there because Entraptor doesn't really show much in the way of like a range of emotions. Usually, it's normally. Cackling is his her her major emotions are laughing and unconscious after an explosion. Yeah, that that um, sums her up nicely. So when she gets really quiet and just pulls the mask down, or when when we see her in the kind of weird mental space thing when uh, the world is kind of falling apart, and she's she's there building robots of Hordak and Scorpia. She's just like, oh no, I didn't I didn't really need friends. Oh, she's got such a fucking... Like, everyone has such an arc in this goddamn show. Um, so, yeah, the, the Horde get their own get their own sort of princess of power. Well, not... Uh, confusing. Uh, <laughs> they, they, get, they get one of the Princess Alliance princesses. And even after it's revealed that, yeah, oh, shit, Entraptor's alive. We can go and rescue her. And she's like, no, I'm good. I'm, like, that's fine. I, I, I don't blame you for leaving me behind. You, you, you thought I was dead. That's fine. Pragmatic I'm, to the end. Yeah, I'm. I'm happy being here. Like, yeah, but like, they're evil. I'm just, but I'm doing science. I, I, don't, I wouldn't get to do that out there. I'm, I'm happy being here. We've forgotten a rather major horde character. Is is it? Uh, wait. Oh, the Weaver of Shadows. Oh, her. And then there's this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Shadow Weaver. Oh, I fucking love Shadow Weaver. So <laughs> Equally, at the start I of the show, hate Shadow Weaver. Uh, at the start of the show, Shadow Weaver is basically Hordak's right hand. Yeah, second in command. Yep, and in charge of training the young ones. Because Adora and Katra yeah. and their squad, who are great, by the way. Let's oh, let's, let's yeah let let's put in charge of teaching the kids this like massively abusive monster. That, that should really just put into your mind, alright, the Horde isn't necessarily evil, but it fucking is. And Adora's ad- adopted mother. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, she's technically, I guess, everyone's adoptive mother. I guess. Think but Adora's that. more than most. Yeah. Oh, she dotes on Adora. Mmm. Adora's her up. chosen one. Mmm. But Shadow Weaver is... Oh, she's so unsettling. She's a sorceress. She is, she is that wonderful kind of character where she has... She, she's the ultimate Zinchian character of, oh, I've been beaten. Damn. What, what a, a shame. shame. Now I'm sitting here imprisoned in Brightmoon. At the heart of the Princess Rebellion. <laughs> oh no. I'll talk to Glimmer and just sow these little... 
little seeds of distrust in there. I'll just I'll just wait for that. No, it's fine. You. I'm, oh no, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to trick you. You're too smart for that. But they You've don't trust you to be smart. Won. Yeah. Oh, fucking Shadow Weaver. <laughs> it, she also has like one of the creepiest goddamn moments in the show when, when Catra's having the flashback to um, walking into the Black Garnet Chamber as a kid and seeing uh, Shadow Weaver without her mask on. And you just see the kind of the eyes and the lank hair across the face and the kind of the veins in the, in the forehead and everything. It's like, oh God, what the fuck? Like, she is this kind of living embodiment of corruption. Especially when, in flashbacks, we see who she used to be. Uh, Light... Oh, is it Light Spinner? Yep. Yeah. She was Light Spinner of Mysticore, and she was um, King Micah's mentor. Yes, so she was Glimmer's father's mentor. Much as she is now the mentor of the Horde cadets. Yeah. Oh, she's a very good teacher, isn't she? Very good teacher. But yes, she she was one of the two powerful sorcerers of the Princess Rebellion. She and Castaspella, mm. which is one of the... It's worse <laughs> than Netsossa. Yes, but it's a great name. Great name and a great character. <laughs> Do you know what? Until just... I mean, I was this old when I realised that name. <laughs> <laughs> What, cast a speller? Yeah, I didn't clock it, I guess, when I watched it. I was like... <laughs> Just ah, going along with things. Yeah. God damn this show! Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you've got to bear in mind that a lot of the names do date back to the He-Man era. Where that is true, yes. They were not great. Even hey, when... Hey, you're telling me that Fisto was a terrible name for a character? Yes, I am. When your name embodies what you are able to do. Many faces. But yes, in terms of people changing sides, she is the one who was, when the Horde arrived, tempted away with the promise of power. She is... Mm. Ambition and power are her watchwords. Which is why she has such an interest in Adora. Yeah, why settle for being, you know, average or okay when you could be the absolute pinnacle? At any cost. <laughs> that is Shadow Weaver, and that is that is the woman Adora grew up looking to for guidance. And Catra as well, which I guess is why Catra's like that. Mm. 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 So there's your sides. There's your good guys, bad guys, <laughs> and a little bit of crossing over between them. There, there are also the Stooges. There are, who are great. Yeah. I love uh, them. Lonnie, Kyle, Kyle, and Rogelio. The lizard man. <laughs> Who the hell's Rogelio? The lizard guy? Oh, right! Him! Kyle and Rogelio are an unofficial ship. Really? An official unofficial ship? Right. Uh, oh, okay. Like, they are the ship of the writer's room. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. So there are little bits between them in the background that are put in as just sort of, yeah, there are a couple. Cool, okay, fair enough. Um, Unlike Spinarella and Natossa, it's never acknowledged on screen, but... But it's there. The writers of. sort of... It's there in their hearts. Aww. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then we have the third, quote-unquote, group of Light Hope. Oh, 
that <laughs> thing. So the changes to the Shira mythos is it's not all magic, it's tech. First one's tech. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it a ship or is it just a temple? Yes. Yes. Well, I think the Light Hope Temple is a temple, but there's also Adora's ship. Uh, well, no, Shira's ship, not Adora's ship. Mara's ship. Mara's, Mara's ship. Ah, oh, Mara. Oh, Mara, dearie. <laughs> and Raz. Oh, God, Raz. <laughs> Madame yes. Raz. So Madame Raz is this ancient witch who lives in the forest and knows Adora, but sometimes doesn't. Um, sometimes thinks she's a girl called Mara. When you, when you figure out what Raz's deal is, oh, God, she's heartbreaking. I know. How is it that all of the characters are the most heartbreaking characters? But she goes from being, oh, she's a funny, dotty old lady who lives in the woods and, oh, she knows slightly more than she's letting on, to, oh, sweet fucking Benjamin Buttoning Christ. <laughs> Timelines be crazy. Yeah, that is definitely a subtitle of this show. Yeah. We were picking berries today, Mara. But it is through Raz that Adora discovers a temple. A first one's temple. Yeah. And the first one's... It starts to hint pretty heavily. They were a, a race of travellers who arrived on Etheria a long, long time ago. And... A lot of what they see as magic comes from their technology scattered around the world. And part of that is in this temple is a being called Light Hope. A hologram. AI. An AI. Light Hope knows everything. But won't tell Adora everything. Because it wouldn't be useful right now. No, um, Light Hope is very much this show's sort of expository device. But AI is kind of a crapshoot, so you may not get the information you want when you want it in the style that you want it in. And when it looks like things are about to go okay with the AI telling you what is actually the plot and what's going on, the AI suddenly decides, I'm going to reset myself and reboot from scratch. Ah. But she knows what She-Ra is. Not necessarily who, but what She-Ra is. Yeah. And begins training Adora. And this is an ongoing theme through the background of the early seasons, is Adora running off to see Light Hope to try and learn more and train and master her powers, because throughout the show, she's constantly learning more about what she can do. Light Hope's Temple is this this version of the show's Grayskull. Yes. More or less. Because Grace, as much as Grayskull was the main thing in He-Man, it also existed in the original She-Ra. It did, yes. And does it this one? Because it's for the honour of Grayskull, isn't it? Yes, the, that's, uh, true. that's the, the command, the, isn't it? Yes. Uh, you find out why that is later. Yeah. When we find out where Adora came from. Yes. So it's all linked. Also, like, i I got to say... Light Hope rebooting 
does lead some wonderful, wonderful, wonderful credence to just this this fear idea of what happens when AI does become really, 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 really powerful and then starts rebooting and does things like, I'm going to be helpful. Are spiders helpful? Boom, I made spiders. And just fills a room with giant mechanical spiders. And then, oh, I can be helpful again. No, I just made more spiders. Well, there's also, doesn't she try and then realise her mistake and tries to drown the spiders, forgetting that that will also drown She-Ra? Yes, she's like, spiders cannot swim. <laughs> cannot, spiders cannot breathe underwater, that was it. And then just fills the room with water. And Adora's like, I can't, I can't breathe, breathe underwater either. <laughs> and just, oh, and then makes a, sp- a tiny spider with wings and says, look, I made a bird. Oh, what the fuck, robots? <laughs> <laughs> so Light Hope's a little bit broken. Yeah. Because Light Hope has been there for a very long time. And as we said before, AI, kind of a crapshoot. Now, if there's a character who is of a chaotic alignment... (laughs) Yes. It's it's Light Hope before Light Hope switches to a lawful alignment. Oh, that that fucking... that moment at the end of the, uh, the AI reboot episode. This data should not be here. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That was a, I was like, oh, this is a fun, happy episode. And at the end of it, I was like, what the fuck just happened? And that is um, what I keep referring to in modern cartoons as the, uh, you know, the, the looming shadow of the specter of plot continuity. Yes. When they suddenly drop something like that, just a, a little flashback to something that you haven't worked out what it is yet, but yeah. it's definitely significant. And then... This should not be here. Delete. Oh, that was important. What was it? Yeah. What was it? And, and, and then it, damning continuity grabs you and is like, yeah, don't you want to know? And as, as, a, as a moment that just opens this yawning chasm of fear in your stomach, like, I, I liken that to uh, that, that moment in, I think it's season two back in the day of, of Buffy. It, it's the moment Spike gets up out of the wheelchair and you go, oh, fuck. Oh, I wasn't expecting... Oh. Oh, this has been a long con this whole time. Like, shit, Light Hope, god damn it. And, god, Light Hope... Is it still in season one when Light Hope reveals that basically Ethereum itself, the planet, the whole yeah. planet, is infused throughout with First One's technology what the princesses know as their runestones are part of the Etheria Project. But what's the Etheria Project? Well, we'll find that out later. Oh, goody. I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's something good. <laughs> I hope it involves a party. However, we do know in the Light Hope episode that Entraptor experimenting on the Black Garnet definitely fucks up the whole of Etheria. Mm-hmm. And like, ah, oh, and you get to see more and more of the world as the, as the series progress. I mean, there's a reason why there's no stars in the sky. Yeah. Oh, yes, it's such a weird little, weird little sort of quirk of Etheria is that, yeah, there are no stars. No stars. And yet everyone knows what stars are. And stars are like a theme of their design and their mythology. Yeah, weird, right? You never much, question much like it. they are f- for us, but... They don't have any stars in their sky. There are stories of stars. 
it's such a weird thing that you don't think about at the time until it's pointed out. And then you're like, wait a fucking minute. Um, but yeah, we get to see, as the series progresses, like more and more of the world, you get to see uh, Monster Island. Which is a place it Beast, that sorry, the Horde... Beast Island. Yeah, which yes. is a place the Horde expel people to. Uh, amongst people expelled to Beast Island are Entraptor. Yep. Uh, in one of... In, in Catra's possibly... Gr- <laughs> up until that point, greatest heal moment. <laughs> just like, just... It's her panicking and going, right, just send her to Beast Island. And uh, convincing... And then convincing Hordak that she turned traitor. Oh. Uh, yeah, and break it, because that ship is kind of there in the show. Like, they have a close friendship, if nothing else, that is oh, on screen. Yeah. So Catra convincing Hordak that Entrapta betrayed him, that is a shot to the heart. And you see you see Hordak break down. Yeah, he's a more sympathetic villain than Catra in that moment. It's so strange, because he is the big bad Skeletor of the series. And that's that's when I started to really love Catra, was when she started playing with Hordak's head. Yeah. And Hordak began to take a step back into second biggest villain, and I was like, mm. oh shit, girl. And that's the whole thing about Hordak, though. You know, you are led to believe that Hordak is this all-powerful, evil, you know, conqueror of 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 this planet and stuff. And you find out the reason why is the fact that he's dying. He's not a well man. No. Yeah. His body, he is he is not the original, as it were, and his body can't take it. He is an imperfect clone. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, season two is, is a bit of a short one. Um, we, we have the, the princesses capturing Catra, briefly. Yep. Um, Catra convincing them that Entraptor is now on their side. Not just, you know, forgotten, but actively uh, defected to the Horde. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not necessarily true. Um, it's where the Horde starts to take some real territory. But more importantly, it's where... It, one of the, the big moments setting out the character's arcs is when... Catra gets hold of the first one's virus from Entraptor and uses it oh, on Adora yes. on She-Ra's sword. And Drunk it, She-Ra was amazing. Drunk She-Ra is amazing. <laughs> um, and it's for me that is a key moment because it's Scorpia first going against Catra when she destroys the virus and um, saves Adora essentially. Mm. Because Scorpio is a princess. At the heart of it, she is a princess and can't not be. And more than that, she's a good person. Yep. And a good friend. She is a good friend. She is not a bad friend. And we don't deserve Scorpio. And then you get the big finale of season two, which is what it's all been uh, building up to, is Shadow Weaver getting sent to Beast Island... Um, which pisses off Catra, sets Catra against Hordak, because at this point Catra still likes Shadow Weaver, despite the fact, we, at this point, we've seen enough flashbacks to know that she shouldn't. 
Yeah, is it likes or is it needs? Mm, yeah, there's a certain codependence yeah. there. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> and that's where we get the look back at Light Spinner and training Micah and dark magic and corruption and how she ended up in the Horde in the first place. All as part of manipulating Catra so that she can get away <laughs> and escape and escape to Bright Moon. And leave her behind. And leave Catra behind. Abandon her. Oh, fucking hell. Mm. This is what I mean when I say you can absolutely understand every decision that she makes, the reasons why. Like, ah. So she... Yeah, Catra takes up with some interesting people after that. Yes. Well, I mean, immediately after that, we get the, the rather fun aside episode of um, Bo heading off to see his dads. Oh, <laughs> God, yes. And this is the season finale of season two, because the, the main plot is we get to see Bo and his dads. His dads, who think he's an academic, uh, don't realize <laughs> he's fighting for the Princess Alliance. Um, but also we get an insight into the importance of a constellation. Uh, which is odd, because stars? Mm. Um, something from the history of Etheria. But meanwhile, Hordak finds out Shadow Weaver has gotten away. And it's all Catra's fault. And more tensions brew in the Fright Zone that will uh, really work against Hordak in the long run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, it ends doesn't that episode end with Shadow Weaver in Adora's bedroom super creepy yeah oh god yeah like, that's exactly what I mean there is no good place for Shadow Weaver to be but there there is a very bad place for Shadow Weaver to be but yeah because because you get Shadow Weaver leaving you get well Scorpio hasn't left by this point but you get sort of Catra taking a more hands on role in in the uh, the way the horde is being run, you have her going out to the deserts. The, uh, the is it the crimson wastes? Is that it? Crimson waste. Yeah. So yeah. actually, that's not her taking a more active role. That's her punishment. If you remember, Hordak, oh shit, yes, Hordak yeah. sends her to the crimson waste because Entraptor has found a bit of uh, first one's tech that will power the portal. We now know Hordak is building. Well, oh, that fucking thing. And no one comes back from the Crimson Wastes, and Catra did just let him down. So, hey, Catra, if you yeah. bring me this thing I need, all is forgiven. If you die out there, oh well. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Adora is off sh uh, healing Shadow Weaver and um, learning the story of how she came to this world through a portal. Mm, there's more shit out there. And that, in fact, Adora is a first one. And if she wants to know more, well, Mara's message is pointing in a big red arrow straight at the Crimson Wastes. <gasps> what a coinkydink! What a coinkydink! <laughs> Who would have possibly believed it? And at the same time, Entraptor and Hordak are now, you know, in the Fright Zone. Catra's uh, not bothering them, so they get to, you know, chill and get to know each other a little bit. And it's fucking adorable. And we learn that Hordak is a clone of Horde Prime. 
uh, who was teleported to Etheria by accident. Um, quote, and, big air quotes. And this is where we find out that Hordak is, is quite a small horde by Horde standards, quite an inept horde by Horde standards, and was sent to a planet that didn't really matter to keep him out of the way. And so we went, is he just the Zim of the Horde? Oh, fucking hell, he's Zim, you're right. He, Hordak is Zim. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There is always a Zim. There is always oh a Zim. God. I need to just recap when, when Horde Prime turns up at the end of the latest series. It's my tallest. <laughs> it's basically yes. Oh, God, no. Does that does that make Catra attack? Oh, God, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, yes, the season three is, is the journey in the desert. Um, where we meet Huntara, Gina Davis comes in and is amazing. <laughs> Gina Davis voices a seven foot tall, 400 pound, I'm going to bench press an elephant princess. It's amazing. That is a look. It like, is. I mean, she, she's got an aesthetic. Huntara is a look. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here for it. And I'm, I'm totally here for the, the, the looks that uh, Perfuma gives her when they meet. Yes. <laughs> It's it's very much the um, Sarah in Dragon Age Inquisition meeting uh, the Inquisitor Canary. if you're a Canary yeah. and just going, oh, woof. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Adora gives her the same looks as well. It's just this blushing every time she looks and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some admiration going Huntara's way, as well there should be. Yeah. Especially when you find out that she was ex-Horde herself. Yes. Mm. So yeah, but this is also where Catra ends up essentially hiring goons. Some, yeah, not not quite horde grade henchmen. She doesn't hire them. Oh yeah, she <laughs> she beats their leader into submission. She wins their loyalty. Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, well, I see the problem. the 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 issue here is they are loyal to Catra, not the horde. Yes. Mm. So it, it's you. You're seeing the kind of the power struggles getting set up as Catra comes back with this personal army. She's building a paramilitary. Yeah, it's it's so that's such a weirdly darkly adult storyline mm. to, to to layer into a cartoon. It's her yeah building up a fucking cult of personality paramilitary force within her own fascist dictatorship land. Fucking hell. And she captures Adora and goes to back to the Fright Zone. Um, oh, after we learn that Mara, the former She-Ra, uh, pulled Etheria into a pocket dimension. That's the thing as well. Which is oh. why there are no stars. That's another thing about Mara, is that we've led, been led to believe all this time that she had gone insane. Yes. And this is when you see her death, the holograms of her death, and what happened, and why she did what she did. And you realize, oh, maybe not insane, maybe desperate. Yeah. Something, something bad, and we're still not entirely sure, and then, it, it, but you're sort of putting the pieces together as it's building towards the, the end of that series. Well, and we know that Horde Prime is much worse. 
oh god yes and out just there. his hair and Mara pulled Etheria into another dimension to protect it from something and it's not hard to put those pieces together yes absolutely yeah um, but, uh, and now Hordak is about to activate the portal and get a message out there hey 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 Prime big bro uh, so I, I think this is this is Catra's big moment of this season mm. of her just getting worse is <laughs> Entraptor actually does the maths and works out what the portal will do and what the portal will do is destroy everything yep and Catra goes that's nice I'm not going to tell Hordak that Hordak let's turn the portal on uh, Catra no you live on the planet <laughs> I'm one of the assholes who happens to live in it <laughs> and this is where she's completely nihilistic and that doesn't matter yeah absolutely because she'll take a win where she dies and kills everyone she hates for her that's a win if if i if i die taking out everyone like taking out the entire planet that literally cannot be taken from me yep i will ultimately that's- be the one who wins because i chose to do this and it it's it it doesn't matter who's left standing, it just matters that she got the last laugh, that she wins. She finally gets one over at the cost of everything. Man, Shadow Weaver taught her well. And then we get Remember. Which oh. honestly, as a as a as a huge fan of Catra, this episode is it's fucking rough. Oh, absolutely. So as everything is being destroyed. Adora suddenly finds herself back in the Fright Zone as a Force Captain. Everything's fine. Best friends with Catra. Everything's great. Except, is it? What's that? Is that right? Hmm. No, that, that seems wrong. And she and Catra go through this process of their reality unraveling and remembering they're not friends. Hmm. Actually... Catra hates Adora and everything she stands for. And it falls apart around them. Um, and it's it's rough. It's really just, rough because it's her face turn that she doesn't make again. Yeah. Because she could avert this just by running away with Adora and, you know they have a chance to make things right. And she's like, nah. No, wait, this is better. This is better. This is what I actually wanted. I've remembered now. Um, which is not great. Yeah. And Madame Raz turns up as the other exposition device. <laughs> uh, Madame Raz's exposition is less helpful, maybe. I know. <laughs> They're both uh, bad at it. I don't know, it. because with, with, right, so, like... This is the best, this is the really interesting thing with Raz and with Light Hope, is that Light Hope comes across as knowing everything but not wanting to tell you. Whereas Raz comes across as knowing nothing but really wanting to tell you the thing that she doesn't quite know. And it's, ah, oh, it's such a horrible, horrible thing when you finally figure out what she's talking about and collecting berries with Mara. It has to be today. This is the day we were going to collect berries. 
we went we went back and rewatched after the season finished we went back and we were introducing someone to watching it we watched the first couple episodes and it's that first episode where Raz turns up and he goes yes today's the day we're going to get berries and then looking go, oh no it's not today oh and like oh fuck yep they set that one up <laughs> yeah it's ah oh, that foreshadowing that foreshadowing guys it's, it's so so sad isn't this the same moment that we lose the queen as well? Yeah. Angela. Yep. So it's... basically, Adora learns that the sword must be removed from the portal because it's basically powering it at this point. Um, but if she removes it, she will die, essentially. She'll be gone from Etheria. She'll be trapped in the portal. Um, and whilst she and Catra fight, Queen Angela, Glimmer's mother sacrifices herself to take the sword out of the portal. And it's somewhat implied that, because this is like a fantasy world where everything's gone right. You know, it started with Adora yeah. and Catra being back to best friends. In this, King Micah is alive. Oh, I, I love this little touch at the end of it. Where, yeah, he, she's like, oh no, I know this can't be right because Micah is dead. Yep. And there's a sense that feeling that loss immediately all over again is what allows her to make the sacrifice. That she's, yeah. she's so sad that her husband is back, but shouldn't be, yeah. that she doesn't want to live anymore. And that is truly horrible. Especially because it, like, it's, it's right at the end of the bit as well, where Micah, Micah looks really confused for a moment. And then he sort of goes, no, wait, hang on a minute. And then it cuts, and like he's he fades away. Yep. And it's him realizing, wait, I'm not dead. And it sets it up because he fucking isn't dead. Yep. <laughs> and that's that's what makes it a proper tragedy. Yeah. Is she lost her husband twice, but actually once. And technically, nuns. Uh, well, no, she loses him here. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, true. And this is this fantasy world is actually the only one where she did. Um, but oh. it ends because you've got to have a season cliffhanger outside of the Ethereum dimension. There are stars in the sky. That portal, well, it was a portal to the larger universe, and it's drawn some attention. Oh, As fucking Horde Prime. Prime's creepy fucking eyes turn upon <laughs> Ethereum. It's it's All the asymmetrical it's the asymmetrical eye setup. Yeah, it's there's something about that that is just so unsettling. It's like the seven eyes of God. It's like the fucking uh, the the mask of Lilith in Ava. It's the having it's it's the having a recognizable face, but the the, the two sides don't match up because you've got too many of one thing on one side. Like ah, Horde Prime is properly horrible he is and not just because of his tentacle hair but also because of his four eyes one on the left three <laughs> on the right it's 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 a thing i funny enough from looking at the the one of fantasy roleplay thing is that someone's one of the lines describing someone is just the they say that lad's got ten fingers but not five on each hand <laughs> <laughs> and it's that, it's that thing, yeah, he's got four eyes. Oh, cool, so like two on either side. No! No, that, ah! would, that would be normal. It's so <laughs> much worse. 
I don't know why that's so unsettling. But yeah, like, you get to see this glimmer of Horde Prime. This giant twin from Matrix Reloaded looking motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the white... Dre- His dreads have got, like, syringes on the end of them. I swear they've got needles on the end of them. Sort of metal tips, like he's put decorative tips on the end of dress. Yeah, they're, they're metal, oh, they're metal he, spikes. He, he is a stylish motherfucker. He, he's got aesthetic coming out his ass. He is, he is a classy bastard. He's got that roguish scar down one side of the face. He's got a damaged ear. He's, he's definitely got the charisma that Hordak doesn't necessarily have. Hordak has the whole snarling, do-as-I-command Megatron shit going on. Horde Prime, you you get why he's got an army. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not, like, he's fucking evil. Speaking of cults of personality. Wait a minute. We're into season four now, right? Yes. yes. So, yeah. Who's the main character again? Four gets interesting. Yeah. So, Glimmer becomes queen. Because Angela's gone. Yeah. And this is... The interesting thing is, with the season three cliffhanger, eh, no mention of Horde Prime. He's we're back in the Etheria dimension. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely, he's nowhere. But we do have to deal with the consequences of season three, and part of that is Glimmer needs to do her coronation because she's queen now. And oh god, like the, the it deals with mourning and loss in such a fucking raw way, but not not like overstated. It's it's amazingly done because she has become queen yeah she has there's, risen, no, there's no time to be sad basically risen to the throne of bright moon it's you know it's an accomplishment everyone is hailing her mm. because she is their ruler now she doesn't want to be because what was the cost her breakdown when it's she finally gets away from the public gaze and it's just her and her friends in in that tunnel you know, when she doesn't want to be congratulated or awarded or even do this. Yeah. Because it means her mother is finally gone. It's it's really for a kid's show? Yeah, it's for me it's it's the it's it's Adora and Bo. It's it's that look on their faces when you can see them looking at Glimmer and going, Right, what do I say? What what do you say in this situation? Because I can't say What can you say? Yeah, what you can't say, are you okay? Because uh, we know she's not okay. That's that's a stupid question. How do you make this better? And it, you can just see this kind of like, like we are great conquering heroes. We can survive any fight, etc., etc., etc. But how do you, in this instance, reach out to your friend and tell them it's going to be okay when literally the worst possible thing has happened to them? Mm. It's so fucking raw and just like the yeah, there's there's no quick easy fix that even a, a a superhero can do in this situation. Meanwhile, over in the fright zone, Catra literally rips the heart out of Hordak's power armor that is keeping him alive mm-hmm. to take over. Doesn't kill him, just lets him know she could whenever she wanted. Yeah, just gives it back. <laughs> it's just, let's establish who's in charge here. Yeah, it's when he gets back and she's sitting in his chair. Yep. Just, oh. And you just, it's, you just see her eyes because she's in the shadow, just like how you would originally see Hordak. You just see the red in the, in the dark. 
Ah, oh, she's so fucking cool. And she needs a new henchman. She does. Mm. And so Noel Stevenson gave us all a gift. Oh my god. So I'm this is where I, I had such an absolute crisis of conscience. Because Entraptor is my favorite character. Right? Right? Catra is is definitely my favorite character, right? Right? And then Double Trouble turns up. Oh, Double and Trouble. And the thing about Double Trouble is Double Trouble could be Entraptor. And Catra. <sighs> and anyone else. I... I don't think I have ever fallen in love with a character as quickly as I did, with the possible exception of Entraptor. <laughs> <laughs> Just the moment Double Trouble turns up, and the the, the way they are introduced, the, the dialogue, the, the, the delivery, the sheer glee of everything they do. And and I was like, this is amazing, this is this is brilliant. And then literally it's the moment that uh, Catra takes Double Trouble back to the Fright Zone and introduces Double Trouble to Hordak and says, this is Double Trouble. They're working with us now. And it's, it's just that, boom, just that little moment of that little pronoun yep. bit there, boom. Non-binary. And I'm like, the biggest fucking smile just went over my face and I was like, oh, fuck yes. I know. Uh, I felt the same way. Yeah. Just this, uh, right, so Double Trouble is a shapeshifter who is a performer, an entertainer, an actor. That is my favorite thing about Double Trouble. Double Trouble yeah. can look and sound like anyone. And that's the easy bit. What Double Trouble <laughs> is proud of is the performance. Looking like someone doesn't matter. Acting like them, that's the ticket. And I'm like, yes, yeah. Double Trouble, yes. It's this, it's this obsession with the art style, with the art of it all, and, and living the role, and just, I, it, it, oh, it's a Double Trouble's whole thing of, I don't care how this affects anyone around me, all I care is that I have a good time. Yep, Double Trouble is basically following the same morality as Entraptor, except instead of obsession with scientific progress, it's, I need to be entertained. This, this is chaotic neutral right here. Yes, that's true. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> this, this is, this is what I mean when I was trying to, I was trying to describe how Entraptor was kind of more towards true neutral than Like, Double Trouble, they are perfect example of chaotic neutral. Just this, I don't give a shit about anyone's needs around me. And I'm not, I'm not doing this just to be an asshole. I'm not, like, the, the end goal here isn't to so evil and to sow destruction and chaos and misery those are means to an end the end is my entertainment my having a good time my getting paid and it's so glorious to just see a character throwing themselves into this in much the same way it's glorious to see Catra throwing herself into being a villain as time goes on and it's the absolute joy with which Double Trouble delivers some of their lines and just ending things with just, and see. Oh my god. But this is the season where war is properly kicking off. Yes. You actually see yeah. the Princess of Power encamped 
Their war room is a tent. They are at the front lines. You know, there is a campaign going on now. Uh, shit has kicked off. And Double Trouble has infiltrated their ranks. As... Uh, I can't remember the name of the character now. I can't either, but it's this tiny, cute, fairy-looking motherfucker. Flutter... Flutter something. Something. Flutterina. Flutterina, that's it. Who is... Who I believe was a character in the original She-Ra. I wouldn't put it past them. So it's a nice little nice little callback reference there. Except in this one, Flutterina is a little shit. <laughs> a literal spy. Yeah. And and things are getting dire. Like, really fucking bad in this one. Like, you are you are definitely getting the, the sense they are on the back foot. They are they are losing this fight. And where we are with the heart of Etheria is bad because Adora oh. has an episode with Raz that is rough. Mm. Mm, to say the least. It is what you said earlier is when you find out what Raz's deal is. And why she be like that. And why she be like that, Kyrie? Yeah, uh, because Raz isn't seeing shit in linear time. Raz is kind of living through the... She's living through several timelines at the same time. And some of them are running backwards. So she kind of knows what's going to happen. But equally, she does... She knows what's going to happen, but not what is currently happening. Which is a horrible state of affairs to be in. Because it also means she's only peripherally aware of what has happened in the past. Because to her, it's the few. Oh, for fuck! Oh. <laughs> it's why she sees. Why she thinks that she, she sees Adora as Mara, and then the moment she realizes Mara is Adora, it's like, wait, that's bad because that means that we're now in this timeline, and in this timeline, things are going to get really bad really quickly. It's ah, oh. linear time is an asshole. So yeah, this episode basically cuts around with Raz being confused about time in that sort of adorably fun way she's had, but it's getting worse. Oh, she's she's a kooky <clears throat> swamp lady. She is. She's, she's the crazy witch archetype. Except what it leads to is she leads Adora into Mara's ship and has Adora play back a message that Raz told Mara to make so she could lead Adora here to hear it. Raz has, Raz's temporal displacement gives the Shiraz this one opportunity to talk in, in one mm. direction. And that's when Mara explains the heart of Etheria, what it actually is. It's a big boom. It's a weapon. It's been condensing and siphoning and storing the magic of Etheria. Implying that the magic that comes from the first one's tech is magic that the first one's tech has absorbed. So we're still not sure where we land on the magic and science thing. Just so we're clear. It's, it's the, yeah, it's the same thing, basically. But most importantly, Mara stopped the weapon going off, hid Etheria, so that the weapon could never be used. And we think, oh, this is huge exposition. And then right at the end, she tells Adora, oh yes, and 
Don't trust Light Hope. Because Light Hope is the trigger for the weapon. Oh shit! Mm. So who's Glimmer going to go and see right now? Well, Glimmer, you know, desperate times. You've got to take advice from all sources and weigh it and consider it. And there's Shadow Weaver right there. Yep. Shadow Weaver trains people. Shadow Weaver knows things. It just makes sense to listen to Shadow Weaver. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no. So that, yeah. that's what's happening to Glimmer. The Becoming a queen has not gone well for her. It has been a stressful time. And has led to some questionable decisions. Although my favourite plot thread running through season four is Scorpia has developed a close friendship with Emily in Trapter's Robot. <laughs> yes, it is pouring her heart out. And... Clearly what Scorpio needs is a good friend, because the more she has Emily and Mrs. Entraptor, the more she realizes that Catra hasn't been treating her well. She's a bad friend. You're a bad friend. (laughs) Because throughout, Scorpio has been saying, we should get Entraptor back. You know, we know where she is, and she's helpful. We should get her back. And throughout, Catra has been like, oh no, no, she sabotaged the portal. She needs to be punished. No, she's never coming back. And it's when Scorpio finally plucks up the courage to leave. Because she wants Entrapta back. That's more important. And if Catra won't help her, maybe someone else will. And sides get swapped again. Y- yep. So we're basically just, everyone's getting a chance to be on every team. Apart from Catra. Oh no, she, yeah, oh, oh, she's yeah. getting Cat- chances. She's just rejecting them. Catra's <laughs> Cat- always been on the same team, and that's Catra. Yep. The yeah. winning team. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because if, if there are no teams by the end of the game... <laughs> it's like Blood Bowl, you know, if you manage to uh, remove every player through cause of injury, you win. I think, I think her logic is, that team has X number of people on it, that team has X number of people on it. My team only has one person on it, so if we all die, my team only loses one person. <laughs> and just by body count, I win. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my that's my logic there that I would apply <laughs> I to. I think this. you're right. <laughs> but yes, we get to see Scorpia, who is a princess, around other princesses. It's an odd, odd bit of sort of interaction. It is. It's really awkward. <laughs> it's so socially awkward. But... And people get accidentally poisoned. Well, she is a scorpion. She can't help that. Yeah. But they get over it. You know, they understand. And this is... It's, mm-hmm. it's the kids show Princess's message. They understand she is different and unique in her own way. And they come to accept her and like her. And yeah, let's go and get entrapped her. We have a spaceship, we have some princesses, we have someone to rescue, we have more than one person. Oh, more than one person to rescue. That's interesting. Hello, King Micah. Who's gone a little bit odd. Native. Yeah. (laughs) He's screaming as he attacks giant bugs and eats them. Turns out he wasn't dead. He was banished to Beast Island and has been there a really fucking long time. (laughs) 
as he tried to tell Angela in their last meeting. Yep. Yep. Um, and rescue successful. They get entrapped. Uh, they just get entrapped. Uh, yeah. No, they get Micah. Do they? Wait. Yeah, Micah yeah. comes back as well. Does he? Yeah, yeah. Really oh yes, that, they they absolutely sold you the the tropey moment when you thought he was going to die, and then he didn't. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I right, actually remembered the tropey moment where you thought he was going to die, and not the fact that he didn't. Yeah, because he yeah. makes it back, and that's when he finds out that Angela's gone. Yes, yeah. and also Glimmer's not a baby because yeah. he's not quite figured out the fact that it's time been is... a really long time. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's an odd character, and I do I do like him, but my god, is he going to have some difficult times? So anyway, having having been listening to Shadow Weaver this whole time, which is you know showing that Glimmer is definitely open to suggestions. You know she'll she'll listen to anyone. Uh, whilst Adora and Bo are off rescuing Entraptor, Glimmer goes to speak to the other source of great knowledge on Etheria, Light Hope. Oh shit! Which Adora has Adora warned her at this point? Yeah, but like Adora would say that though, wouldn't she? Oh Cause yes, because she... Glimmer disagrees about what the heart of Etheria is. Yeah, it's it's a weapon. Yeah, we could we could use that to defeat the Horde, despite having no reason to believe that it's a weapon you can control. Yeah, she thinks she can. And finds out that all that is required to activate the weapon is to. Restore the bond between the Black Garnet and its princess. So it's a good job Scorpio is hanging out with the princesses. God damn it. <laughs> and then in the midst of all of this shit going on, and everything going to pot, Double Trouble decides to have a little chat with Hordak. Yeah. Oh my god, the delivery. <laughs> the... Oh, it's so clever! You you pretending like you you uh, buy into entrap buy into catch a story about entrapped betraying you, like because because if you didn't, if you actually believed it, that would be so sad. That would well, just already, be so tragic. You would you would be an even better actor than me. You know, you must be an even better actor than me to sort of pretend like you you believed it this whole time. Anyway, I'll just be going now. And there is the chaotic neutral, because that is the penultimate episode. That's the first part of the end of season two parters. Yeah. And after and consistently working against the princesses for the whole season, he's just like, oh, do you know what? Here's an opportunity to have some fun. Yeah, because it's like, I'm, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm going to throw Catra I'm, under the bus. Yeah, but I'm not going to get paid to betray Catra, but it would be hilarious. No, that's and the I, thing. He's found out by the princesses and oh, yeah. it's all along it's been uh, all on this bit he's been paid by glimmer oh yes they, they turn they turn to the sort of thing and go back to, but it's it's i think it's this idea that yeah double trouble kind of really enjoys that as well because it's the oh yeah and seed at the yeah, end they're just having a whale of time oh yeah definitely because it's yeah. like i'm being paid to do what i love doing yeah i'm not, I'm not saying he, uh, that they don't enjoy it immensely oh yeah but but yeah it wasn't for free <laughs> <laughs> it's all a paid job and yeah it, oh because you get that bit of, of the, the the truth spell working on double trouble and oh yeah yes that <laughs> wonderful thing of just i can't cry on command <laughs> i can only just i have to think about children falling over 
And they're tears of laughter, but no one can tell. <laughs> I just love that kind of cartoonish villain stuff thrown in. Oh. Fucking love Double Trouble. So you good. may have noticed. Yeah, Double Trouble is amazing. But this all builds up to where we are now and why we are all anxiously awaiting the next season. And the season after that, and the season after that. Just give us a million seasons of this show. Never stop making this show. It all well, comes to a head. Hordak is furious at Catra. They fight. And that's... Oh, he goes properly off the rails. Like, quite scary, believable, angry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a Vader rage. This isn't some Kylo Ren rage. This is a Vader rage. <laughs> it's he's He has like a proper guttural yell of... It's... it's pain is what it is mm-hmm. it's it's a oh fucking hell it's not skeletor anger it's not i'm so angry i'm gonna do this it's it's a guy who's lost something that mattered to him and has now realized that was entirely avoidable and he's been being lied to and it's just this it's anger and loss and pain and you're not supposed to get this from the evil villain head guy well, and this no. is what i love about the most recent season finale this is a kids show it's a shira kids show it's yeah. good guys bad guys and the big fight in the season finale is between the two bad guys oh it's so good because one of them manipulated the other by convincing them that the, their friend betrayed them. Friend slash lover. Yeah. And Hordak is, as you say, it's grief. It's loss. It's pain. And for Katra, she's still laughing. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter to her. You know, she's actually loving this because when it comes to fighting, she's a better fighter than Hordak one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when he's not thinking straight. So she's just dancing around him. Kind of, yeah. Occasionally, because he's got big-ass weapons, it gets scary for her. But mostly she's like, this is fun. I'm winning. Uh, Meanwhile, Glimmer reconnecting Scorpia to the Black Garnet. We've got the good guy doing not necessarily a bad thing, but a selfish thing. Mm. What she thinks is the right thing. But she... We've had a whole season demonstrating she is not thinking clearly. (laughs) Mm. And she's the goodest of the good guys. And the weapon goes off. Well, activates. And that's the other fight is Adora and Light Hope. As She-Ra is the key. Yep. Adora goes to stop it and then realizes she was actually the missing ingredient. Much like the portal. Whoops. Damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> and it's it's really interesting because Light Hope is both a villain and a good guy in that moment because there are those two versions of Light Hope in her. There's the one that wanted to remember Mara and the one that wanted to delete Mara. And she's both throughout this fight. Oh, I want more. And the fight ends when... Adora shatters the sword. So hooray, we've solved the problem. Right? And Light Hope thanks her for preventing Light Hope from doing the thing Light Hope was made to do. That's hard. Yeah. That's that's a mo- that's a gut punch. If if like me you have a, a weird emotional connection to AIs. Yeah. That one's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, so yes. I mean, we've lost the sword. 
that was sort of the source of Shiraz power. That's a bit of a problem, but hey, hey, the Ethereal project has been stopped. It's yeah, all so good. Losing losing the sword would only be a problem if there were more villains to fight. And that's when Horde Prime arrives. Hi guys! Hi! Guess, I'm home! Guess what's back again? Uh, Space! Oh fuck. He's big. He's so big. And it's it ends with all all three of them. Hordak, Catra, and Glimmer. And uh oh and Glimmer, yeah. In front of Horde Prime. Horde Prime. Who just immediately dismisses Hordak to go off and be reconditioned. Yep. Because he's broken. You're rubbish. Off you go. Go and and fix this one. Our quote-unquote main villain for four seasons just, no, no, he's awful. Take him away. Essentially turns him off. Yep. Yep. And Catra... sends him... Catra who can never resist doubling down. (laughs) (laughs) Like... You should know now, Catra. No, no, this is a very bad situation. You give her an opportunity to make things worse and she just can't not. Absolutely. Catra tells Horde Prime, oh, no, why would you want to destroy Etheria? It's a weapon. Oh, credits. And that's where we are. That's where we are with Shifra right now, with Catra. Going, ooh, new stronger villain for me to uh, manipulate, cozy up to, and then overthrow. Yeah. Let's do this. Don't give Catra space armada. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> give Catra space armada. <laughs> Admiral Catra for season five, please. Oh, no. Oh, Have we got no. any date for season five? Is that still up in the air? I haven't heard anything, but no, 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 soon, please. Soon would be better. Uh, oh. It's amazing, really, because they had cancelled it, hadn't they? Had they? Had they? They they had they had cancelled. Apparently, Netflix had cancelled it for season after uh, when season four wasn't. Uh, and that's as the final season, and then it got the uh, no 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 don't do that situation. Hmm. Yeah, it was on the list of their cancellations. Interesting. Well, it is listed as to present. Yes. So yeah. I assume it is ongoing. It had better be. I mean, it's on. It's ongoing now, but but when uh, season four was in development, they had said that this was this was going to be the final season. Yeah. Well, that is. It is a risk with Netflix. They do tend to cancel things usually after two or three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. That would it's be like, a bleak fucking ending, though. Yeah, it would. It's like. <laughs> I was quite expecting Castlevania to end, to be it. That'd be the whole thing by the end of the season two. I desperately and, need to watch Castlevania. Oh yeah, you do. Season three comes out in like less in like a week. I've just seen some of the Tumblr posts of pictures, screenshots of it that just make it look like it's been entirely written in shit posts. <laughs> like the conversation about running water and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> The weaknesses of a vampire. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like running water wouldn't stop me. Yeah, do you feel like sunlight would stop you? No, you just don't. Anyway, Shira, give us season five now, or give us death. <laughs> well, hopefully soon. Which one? Uh, Shira, season five. Cool, not death. Okay, not death. 
because I'm I mean, not as good at doubling down as Catra. They do have to take time to you know make it. Yeah, that, that is a thing. Unfortunately, that has to happen. Can they just send it out live? It's a terrible strain on the animator's wrist. Because yeah, gotta bear in mind, season four was only last year. Um, in fact, we got two, three, three. It's three seasons, but two seasons. Yes, because season two and three are kind no. of one season. Yes, yeah. Because uh, that make the seasons two and three make the twenty-six episodes for a season. Uh, thirteen. Oh, yeah. Because Noel Stevenson has said that She-Ra exists in um, four 13-episode arcs. So season one and four are a 13-episode arc. Two and three together are a 13-episode arc. So we've got one more block of 13 episodes to complete the story as written. Either a big season five or a small season five and a small season six. Yeah. Depending on how they release it. So yeah, we or thirteen very small seasons. <laughs> I mean, technically, don't you fucking dare! Technically, it could be don't. broken up into any portioning therein, like yeah, a four, a four, and a five could work. Um, but can we just get thirteen at once, please? And then another thirteen. Just seriously, do not stop making this show. Mm. And there are articles all over the internet talking about how season five is finally time for Catra's redemption arc. And I'm like, no! <laughs> no, no! No, 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 Like, it'll probably happen. There's... I'm not saying it should, I'm just saying it'll probably happen. Basically, Catra is going to a place where there's only two possible outcomes that would resolve her arc. Mm. And that is either getting a final moment of redemption... Or literally choosing to die rather than be redeemed. Yeah. Those are basically the only two outcomes for her at this point. I I feel like the latter might be more, like, believable at the moment. And that's Mm. the thing. Like, it's a kid's show, so the former seems most likely. Yes. But... This show could really swerve you. Yeah, and she's had redemption arcs that seemed like the most likely thing over and over again. Yep. So I feel like they could actually go for the choosing to let go of Adora holding her over the precipice style ending. Didn't they really do that? Yeah, they did. But yep. that's why I'm saying style. Not literally that right. moment, but the... Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I could get out of this, but it would be Adora saving me, so no. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of choice. Because that's where she is. She is, I hope, doomed for a hubristic tragedy. Also, whilst just, just going on the subject of just other bits and pieces about, about She-Ra and where it's going and all that sort of stuff, this might interest you, Simon. Yes. Did you know that the official She-Ra website is set up for VR? I did not know that. Yeah. I, I will have to check it out and then report as a, back. As a, as a fan of She-Ra and VR, Ugh. that might interest you. I, I am a fan of both of those things, but I'm not a fan of you saying them back to back like that. She-Ra VR? Yeah. I'm not a fan <laughs> of that. Okay. <laughs> I'll figure something out. Shvi-ar. No, that's gotten worse. Shvi-ar. Which sounds like a really, really weird, like, Swedish third-party app for opening WinZip files. The fuck is the official website? 
I don't know. I'm just going by this little thing. It's a novelty for a television series. The series website is available in a virtual reality format. Because if you put She-Ra into Google, I get Wikipedia, Wikipedia, IMDb, Netflix, The Verge, Twitter, He-Man Wiki, She-Ra Wiki. Why does the He-Man Wiki come first? That's terrible. Fuck that shit. Well, you've given me a project to seek out the (laughs) She-Ra VR experience. I don't like saying it either. Speaking of websites, we don't really have one yet. Oh, we should do that. I'll do do it. Okay. I look forward to seeing what you come up with. Can you make websites in paint? Parts of them. Cool. The the pictures, certainly. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) How do I... Right, so I can make the website in paint, but how do I then pick it up and put it on the internet? Well, I'm willing to cooperate with you on this. If you do the designs in paint... (laughs) (laughs) Graphic design is my passion. (laughs) I shall turn them into a website for you. How much Comic Sans is too much Comic Sans? There's no such thing as too much Comic Sans. That is the right answer. (laughs) Cackling. I believe we made it one of the (laughs) defining features of Entraptor. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I haven't I have not been able to do the Entraptor laugh though is the it's the I can't I cannot do Entraptor's voice. This is the one downside to, to doing the costume is I can't do the voice. Very few people can. As far as I know, it's only Christine Woods. Yeah. It's so wonderful. I don't think anyone else can. Oh, fun little connection between this show and one we want to talk about. Just mm-hmm. just as a parting thought. Uh the voice of Catra. Uh mm-hmm. AJ Michalka, or Michalka, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, is also the voice of Stevoni in Steven Universe. Oh. That is also coming to an end soon. Is it not over? No. Well, <laughs> technically, yes. Yes. Wait, technically, yes, but actually, no? <sighs> Steven Universe, the series has finished. You've got Steven Universe Future, which is the final final storyline right I, you know what I have still not watched a single episode Oof. I, I have watched more Gravity Falls than I have watched Steven Universe well seasons one through two are on Netflix I, sh- I believe I, I should watch it and my entire the entirety of like you know what three separate people have told me to watch Steven Universe and all three people slash groups of people that have tried to get me to watch it have used exactly the same moment and tactic to convince me to watch it. What's that? Sugalite. Oh. Sugalite is a good <laughs> pick. Right? Because they were like, I know you. This is what you like. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> uh, all I will say is Rebecca Sugar, the creator of it, Huge Zim fan. Oh, good, good. And all I'll say is Peridot. Yeah, (laughs) Perry! Peridot is Rebecca Sugar's little homage to Zim. As Zoe said earlier, there is always a Zim. (laughs) There's a Zim in all of us. (laughs) And we will eventually talk about Steven Universe. So you'd better watch it or we'll spoil it for you. Okay, that seems fair. I will give it a try. That, that's that's my threatening suggestion to you and also <laughs> the listeners. You better watch it. You better watch what? out. You better watch out. 
You better watch out. You better watch out. <laughs> no, watch well, it's it. Only, it's only oh. five seasons a movie and the current Five run. seasons in a movie. So, that's not how this works. <laughs> five seasons a movie and the final run. Right. So should we come back next week? Oh, yes. We should. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> and, and on that note, I guess... That promise yeah. of returning. <laughs> uh, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared. I have been Simon. I've been Kyrie. And I have been Jack. Bye.